You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Now, I promise you, as we get into, we're, we're in a series called The Comeback Season, and as we go into this, these messages, um, I promise you that, like, these messages, I, I typically prepare six to eight weeks. Um, the final details of the messages are, are done six to eight weeks ago. And so this week, when I was reviewing the message for, for this week and try to get into my heart again throughout the week, I read the notes. And after the week that we've all been through, this is literally what I said. I was like, I said it out loud in my office. I, I read the notes and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because today's takeaway, you'd swear, and I have to say that I've prepared this eight weeks ago, because you'd swear that I wrote it yesterday after all the week that we've been through. And I was like, the timing is, is, cra- is crazy. And some of the staff, you know, they, they got some of the notes and they, they looked at this and they're like, they're like, Pastor Kelly, you have to stop doing that. And I was like, it's not me. I promise you. Um, because they said whatever you're preaching then something all breaks out that same week and then and I was like I was like I promise like we'll we'll only preach good things I don't know like I don't know I, I was like it's not me but I want you to know I just want you to get your I want you to get your hearts ready because this this is not this is not just a message from me and I can't I'm not that smart to be able to prepare this eight weeks ago and to deliver it today this I'm not that smart this is something the Holy Spirit wants to get to, to all of you, and, and He's speaking something that's going to be specific to all of you. So I want you, I want you to, to listen with more than just your physical ears. Listen with your heart as well. Now what we're talking about in this series is called the comeback season. And I don't know, has anybody ever experienced a setback? <laughs> like, like all of us this week? Like all, all, all the things that you know, go on, things, we, we all experience life. We all experience real life. We all experience setbacks. And some setbacks are, are bad enough to take people out. Like there's certain setbacks that people don't recover from. There's certain setbacks that, that take people out, that people walk away from their calling, walk away from their destiny, walk away from what, whatever, you know, life, whatever it might be. There's some setbacks that just people can't recover from. But I believe that the people who are resilient, the people who are, who are champions, the people who who we all envy and all look to, it's not that you know, we're looking up to them because they've never experienced a, 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 a setback. We're looking up to them because they experienced great setbacks. Come on, think some of the heroes that you know, that you admire, some of the people that you admire most. They're people who have overcome and not just experienced setbacks, but they overcame and had a stronger comeback. And what I want to teach in this series, the whole purpose of the series is to say, hey, life happens. Sometimes we all, we all experience incredible setbacks but I want I want us if we can look at this properly I want us to look at setbacks as a setup for a comeback and not only just a comeback but our greatest comeback and in this series I've, I've been teaching four biblical principles for a strong comeback and we want to we don't all want to have strong comebacks now each one of these um, biblical principles all start with the letter G um, because that's more, more anointed that way. Um, no, just kidding. It's, it's, it, they all serve the letter G because it just helps you remember a little bit more. And I had somebody at the end of the first service saying, I'm trying to guess all the G's and I've been way off. So I, I promise you, that's all good. Good luck with that. Um, but the first G, we said sometimes there's certain situations in life that basically we get stage four diagnoses and when the doctor says there is no hope or we have certain situations that are absolutely impossible where we see no light at the end of the tunnel we see no hope and in those situations comeback principle number one is we need God 
that we serve a God of the possible. That as, as believers who are, are connected with Him and have a relationship with Him, we are never, ever, ever, come on, the testimonies we heard, we are never, ever, ever in impossible situations. It, it, might be, it might be improbable, but it is never impossible with a God who all things, the Bible says all things are possible. That when you face a Red Sea, and you've got a sea in front of you, and you've got an Egyptian army behind you trying to take you out. God makes a way. He specializes in making a way where there is no way. He can part the water. You can walk across it in dry land. God specializes. The entire Bible is full of stories of God specializing and making a way where there is no way. Come on, we, we don't serve a was God, a God who's way out there that doesn't matter, doesn't care. We, we serve a God who is active and alive and well today. Come on, we had, come on. Last Sunday, we had a prayer request for a mom who got admitted into hospital. We read the story this morning from our church in Tabor. Seven months pregnant, admitted in a hospital, entered into ICU with COVID. They put her into a coma, didn't think she was going to make it. So they did a C-section in order to take the baby out. You saw the picture. I mean, you, just, you just sometimes know the backstories of this kind of stuff. This is what we prayed for last week, last Sunday. Last Sunday, she was still in a coma. They, take, they did a C-section. Baby is, I think, I think she's seven months pregnant. Baby's seven, seven to eight weeks early. And they, they take, take the baby out and, and put, him, put the baby on, on in, I don't know, all the, all the medical stuff. Breathing apparatuses, like like, to, like everything. Everything's, you know, this is not, she, baby's not supposed to be out yet. Mom comes out of coma and is on her way home tomorrow. Baby is, off, is breathing on its own, is feeding on its own, is coming home as well. Come on. We serve a God of the possible. Come on. Amy, come on. Like, it's, it's like, it's, how cool is this? That was, that was, how long ago was that? Two years in October. Come on. I remember that. I mean, I, I'm tearing up just as you're thinking about it. And I remember the praying and, and the desperation and the prayers and, and all the rest of it. And Sarah's, you got to pray for my friend. And we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And then all of a sudden you get this report one time, just like all of a sudden. God does the sudden lease. And you go from the impossible situation, stage fours, impossible, no hope, to doctors being confounded and, and no answers. We can't figure this out. Come on, we sometimes, we just need God. We're never without hope. The second biblical principle we learned last week is we need, sometimes we need, need to grieve. That sometimes, let's just, just be honest, sometimes us churchy folk, um, you know, faithy, bad grammar, good point. Uh, we, get so, we get so heavenly minded that we become earthly stupid. Nobody's ever seen this, right? We've never seen stupid Christians. No. But sometimes we get so, we get so, you know, I can't, I can't admit I'm sick, I can't do all the rest of it. Sometimes, listen, this is what we learned last week. That just because, just because 
you have faith in God doesn't mean that you, you don't accept reality as it is and that you don't grieve when you have lost. Grief is simply uh, acknowledgement of I lost something important to me and it has affected me. That's what grief is. I've lost something important to me and it's affected me. That's grief. You don't deny that and saying, yeah, but I have Jesus had faith that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. And in the midst of that, he took time to grieve. So let's not get so weird sometimes that we don't acknowledge the pain that we're feeling now, the frustration that we're feeling now, the, the regret that we've had or the, the, lo- the sense of pain from loss in the past, that we don't take time to grieve that because we're so focused on the future. That we need to have a balance of both. We need God, yes. We believe God, yes. But also we need to properly process and grieve. Principle number two. Now, principle number three I'm going to give to you ahead of time, and, uh, and, and I'm going to give it to you because, again, this is a little bit, might seem a little bit odd, but number three, biblical, third biblical principle is we need genius. <sighs> there we go. We need genius. Now, this, this, this is what it means. It, I'm going to say something that might seem a bit controversial, especially to you uh, church people. I kind of poke that button a little bit, don't I, once in a while? So you're not at all surprised. I usually ask permission. I stopped asking permission a long time ago because my wife told me to. But anyway, um, but this is a little bit controversial. There's sometimes, listen, there's some situations that don't require divine intervention. Because sometimes the answer to your comeback is already in you. Because there are things that God has deposited in you that he knew you would need for your future comeback. Because sometimes it takes, listen, sometimes it takes a setback to expose to you what's been in you the entire time. Because there's a you in you that you haven't met yet. Let, let, me, let, me, let me put this into perspective. I don't know, anybody ever noticed that there's certain times where you have a setback and, and you, know, you look back on, and you're maybe in a current setback now and you're going, well, wait a second, I got out of that one back there and I think I'm ready to handle this one here. Anybody ever experienced that? Sometimes you're going, yeah, okay. Because sometimes what God is doing in the process of, of your previous comebacks and the previous setbacks is he's developing in something inside of you that's for you, that there's a genius in you that God's already placed there. And while we're waiting for God to move, he's saying, you got all you need, you move. Is this okay? Let me show you what I mean. John chapter 2, we're going to study Jesus again. He's the hero of, of history of the Bible. He's the, the epic, especially when it come comes to comebacks. I mean, he's talk about epic comebacks. He's the one to follow. This is, this is a story in John chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they, they have no more wine. Now, I understand uh, the wedding last night, Pastor Ralph, the wedding yesterday had a little bit of um, smoked beef. Is that right? Like brisket, smoked brisket, a little bit as a, as a party, John's yeah, wedding. So 
So this is, this, that would be, that's, that's the Alberta panic. If we were to run out of brisket. Okay, this is, this is Israel's, ancient Israel panic. We ran out of wine, like the party's over. Like the, the wedding's over. Like we got, this is a problem. I put this in, let me put this in context. This is John chapter two. John chapter two is the very beginning of Jesus's public ministry. All that we have seen so far of Jesus's life, all that we've known of Jesus, his miraculous birth, that's all that's been recorded, his miraculous birth. And then we got a little snippet into a four day window when he was 12. And I get a kick out of this story because I always put myself into the stories and I imagine, you know, being Joseph or, or, or Mary in the story. But the story that we pick up in when Jesus is 12 is that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Can you imagine that prayer time? Mary's having this prayer time. I know you trusted me, God, um, to, to, to be the mother and to raise uh, your son. I don't know where he is. Sorry. Like, can you imagine the panic on her? Like, I'm sorry, God chose me. You're highly favored. I lost him. Like, can you, I mean, I, I can't even imagine I, it, I, what she was going through. But anyway, that's the story of 12. And then from age 12 until he's 30 years old, we don't see anything until this. We see this. And, and what, what has Jesus been doing? Well, at this point, he's been, he's been a carpenter working for his father, Joseph. And, and this, is, this is the start, the very start of Jesus' ministry, very, very beginning. And here's the thing, Jesus hasn't done any miracles yet. But here's what's interesting is in this story, there's a problem. And Mary knew that Jesus could be the solution. Now, we don't know why Mary knew. I'm just filling in the blanks. Maybe she drew a bath for him when he was young and he walked on the water. I don't know. I don't know what she knows about, about you know, her son or what he can do. But she knows that there's a problem and she's looking to Jesus to solve it. And here's the truth, is that sometimes it takes others to call out the genius in us. Isn't that right? Sometimes it takes others to call out the genius in us. And, and there's, there's a problem. Mary knows Jesus has a genius, a solution inside of him, and she knows, and she's calling it out. Because look at this next verse. It says this, verse 4. Just as Jesus replied, woman, why do you involve me? Now, I follow Jesus. What would Jesus do? I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus. I follow Jesus. I want to I be like that. You know, that's what all of us Christians do. We want to be like Jesus, except for this one thing. I will never speak to my mother or my wife, starting the sentence with Woman. I'll just leave that up to the Son of God to do. No, no ladies want to amen that one? Yeah, like, woman? Like, uh, anyway, that's up to you, Jesus. Gotcha. Anyway, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And look at this, I love this. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So I love this. Jesus is like, why are you bothering me with this? She ignores him and just turns to the servants, do what he says, and walks out of the room. And the servants are like looking at Jesus and going, yeah, we're going with her. <laughs> whatever, whatever she says, we're going with. So nearby, verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Gross. 
Just saying, what is the ceremonial washing? This is, these are jars of water that would sit at the entrance of, of the homes and stuff like this, and they'd walk from long walks and, and, and open you know, sandals and all the rest of it, and they'd use this water to wash feet and, and hands and, and, and you know, dust off their head. Like, this is not exactly where you want to drink from. Like, this is disgusting. But they're each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. So Jesus looks at them and says, he says, he says, servants, fill the jars with water. So they fill them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And these guys are probably like, ew. But look at Jesus. Jesus performed this miracle as a response to a problem. And the truth is, is every miracle is a response to a problem, right? So listen, I, I always kind of laugh a little bit when we're, you know, when Christians pray, you know, for miracles, because I'm like, if you pray for miracles, you know what you're asking for, right? Problems. Because every miracle is a response to a problem. But listen, 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 your genius is too. Your genius is a solution to a setback. Psalm 139 says this, that God, before you were born, before the earth was formed, God, and before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you, and he, he designed you, and he chose you. In other words, what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 139 is that before God even spoke into existence all the planets, all the earth, before he created all this, he knew you. And he planned and placed inside of you giftings for this time, for this period, knowing that the genius that he's put inside of you as the creator is meant to be the solution for what the problems are of the day are. Anybody see any problems of the day? None. Now listen, I believe this to the core of my being. I'm going to say this over and over again until you get it. I believe you were made on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. And that while the world can panic and everybody can, can, and can see all the problems on this, you can, you can hold your head up high and say, I was made by God before he even formed this, wor this world. He had a plan for me. I was made on purpose for a purpose for this time, for this day. Because you only realize your not just a shepherd by the way you respond to Goliath. You only realize you're a king and not just a shepherd by the way you respond to Goliath, the setbacks. Look at this, verse 9. The servants did so. They drew the water out, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Now, I, I can't imagine what this would have been like. As I imagine these guys taking out the water, the servants taking out the water, and, and you know, to have a taste, and they're probably like, you're drinking feet water. Like, ugh. Right, like, bracing to what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And I love this because the, John's like, yeah, he did not know where it came from. <laughs> Good thing, because he would never have tasted it. Yeah. Though the servants who had drawn it knew. 
That, you, you, what John's saying there, I'm just, I'm just filling in the blanks on there. John's saying he didn't know where it came from. The servants knew. That's why they're, they're kind of, yeah. Then he called the bridegroom aside. And this, this, is, this is how the rest of the story works. How the rest of the story works is that he tastes the water and it's, it, he says, draws the bridegroom aside and says, you save most weddings. They save the cheapest wine for the end when everyone's too drunk to notice. He says, but you save the best wine for last. And this, listen, listen, Jesus's entire ministry, Jesus, the miracles, started by simply responding to a problem. As simple as wine running out and his entire ministry started. In other words, Lazarus might have stayed dead had Jesus not responded to this problem. The blind would have made him, he stayed blind. The deaf would have stayed deaf. The lepers would have stayed lepers. Had not Jesus and Mary called out the genius in Jesus and called out the, 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 these miracles in Jesus. All of this started everything. And what I'm saying is whatever the situation that we see here, and you can get occupied and saying, I, I don't know. I can see all this stuff going on. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And they're shutting my business down. They're shutting this down. We can panic about all the situations. But I want you to know. I want you to hear from me. And I promise you, I told you, I wrote this eight weeks ago, I, this, this, this message. And I'm telling you, I'm not that smart. But I'm here today to say Holy Spirit wants to call out in you and saying the solution, while we're waiting for God, to deliver God says the genius is inside of you to create solutions and to solve the problems that we're facing today that some of you business guys it doesn't matter what the government does and says you can't do and all the rest of it there's creativity inside of you that can find a way and make a way because there's a genius inside you that God's created you on purpose for a purpose for this time amen that there might be something inside of you you don't even know is there until you see how you respond. Because sometimes a situation that creates desperation will give you a revelation of your own capability. So I think there's three ways. I'll close with this. Three ways to discover or to unlock your genius. Number one, you got to discover it. Three ways to unlock your genius, to find out what it is. Number one, discover it. You need to know, like, which one, what's my genius? Because I think, listen, your genius, I happen to believe that, that you're, God created you. You're not by accident. You're not an accident. God created you with a unique ability that is supposed to be a solution for a time, for a problem faced in our time. That God puts something inside of you that's supposed to be a solution. You need to find out what that is. How do you find that out? I think there's three questions that you can ask to unlock what this genius is. Number one is, where do you have unique awareness? In other words, where do you see things others don't see? And you can't figure out why others don't see it like you see it. Like, how come you don't see that? Like, you don't see that? You don't know that? Like, how come you can't see it? So you have a unique awareness. Number two is, where, where do you have unique ability? You have, you have an ability that you're just good at some things that others aren't. I, I believe that all of you in this room and every one of you watching online, I believe that you have a unique ability that's so unique that you're better at something than anybody else in this room or anybody watching online, that you're better than anybody else. God's put that inside you. You have a unique ability. Third question is, where do you have a unique agitation? Well, this week... Uh, 
Where do you have a unique agitation? No, no, watch. What you do with these agitations. See, see, we can, we can stew on these agitations. We can get angry. We can, we can you know, rant and rave at our TVs or we, whatever we want to do. We can, we can have these agitations. But listen, sometimes if you don't process agitation properly, you're missing an opportunity. Because I think, I just happen to think that where you have a unique agitation, where something uniquely agitates you more so than other people, that, that, you know, you notice this? There's something that bothers you, that makes you cry, makes you more angry than others. Sometimes that's a tip of, of, a, of a unique ability inside of you that you're called to be a solution. Here's, here's what I mean. I think misunderstood giftings can create critics. All right, because here's what happens. We get agitated, we become critical. And we do things like we begin become critical and going, well, how come you don't see this? This is, happens in church world. I, I've been doing it for, for a while. So people become, Pastor Kelly, like the church is not doing this. And, and how come you don't see this? And you're missing this and we're not doing this. Yeah, yeah. You, and all the stuff that you're seeing, you're right. We're not doing it. We're not, why? Because that's not my unique ability. But guess what? If you discovered it, it's not just meant to be an agitation. It's probably you discovered it or you see it because that's a unique sight, a unique ability, and you're called to be the unique solution. So when you come and be critical of that and saying, well, the church is not doing this, and well, we could do this better, and how come this, and the rest of it, it's, I'll just look at you and smile and saying, how can I help you? you? Get that started. Let's go. I've been praying for that answer. Don't become critical of a problem because you might be the solution. Number two, develop it. So you got to discover it, develop it. Have you noticed this? That every, I like, I like sports. I don't know if you guys knew that. Football especially. Um, every professional athlete is born with a gift, correct? Like my oldest son, Carson, played for, uh, he was a quarterback for Team Canada U15. So that meant we got to go to the States and play against Team USA in, in San Antonio, a very cool, cool trip. And while we're preparing that week, I got to go with them and we're hanging out and, and all this, and they do this little presentation, and they march the Team USA, and as they march Team USA, these are 14-year-olds, this is under 15, these are 14-year-olds, and they march Team USA out, I'm like, whoa, that kid is big. And Carson's looking at me, he's like, huh. And I found out that the kid that I was saying was, is from Hawaii, he's 14 years old, he was six foot nine, 285 pounds, at 14. I'm thinking that's a unique ability. And then they marched the next kid up. And the next kid up, this is 14, was six foot three, 315 pounds or 325 pounds or what I don't remember how, 300 plus. And I was like, and Carson looks at me and goes, Dad, I've never seen anybody that big before. And he's the quarterback and these guys are on the defensive line, meaning he gets the close up. And, and, he's, and I looked at him and I smiled and I said, well, the good news is until you turn pro, you probably never will see another one bigger than, like, what in the world? Sometimes, but listen, I don't know where those kids are today. I don't know if they're playing professional ball or not, because here's the difference. Every professional athlete is born with a gift, absolutely. Right? Play basketball, you have, you're born with six foot nine, six foot eight. Look, you can't help that. 
But not every naturally gifted athlete becomes professional. The best of the best have to work the hardest to develop their gift. So we should do the same. Look, at we, you got to develop it. You just can't rely on God gave it to me, so therefore I don't have to work. You have to work it. Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. He says, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you. In other words, it was given to you. This is not, you can't, you can't take credit for it. God gave it to you. But then the responsibility to not neglect it is on who? It's on us. Don't let your gift lie dormant. Develop it. It was given to you, but it's yours to steward. Number three, the third key, you got to discover it, develop it. Number three is discipline it. Now, listen, I want you to pay attention to this. You can't work a genius you don't believe in. This is so key because the enemy attacks our self-confidence. That's why he attacks us so much. Is because he knows, he knows that we're a solution to the problem. Listen, I, I, full disclosure, Government reports, everything comes out this week. Initial things, I was discouraged. I was frustrated, probably like all of you. But listen, it didn't take long. And all of a sudden I went, and mostly I was frustrated because it was like two weeks before we do our relaunch. I was like, are you kidding the party? Come on. I'm like, come on. And then as I thought about that, I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. The vision that we're about to unleash on you and what we're about to rebrand and all the rest of it, the timing couldn't be better. Because what we're about to unleash is this solution to what everything that's going on around us. I was like, the solutions, I was like, oh my goodness. It might not, I was excited about you know, timing because I thought everything might be wide open and we could have a full party and momentum, all the rest of it. And I was like, that was my brain. But God's brain the entire time was like, yeah, no. There's going to be setbacks, and you're going to have to get creative. Where's the party still on, by the way? And we're just getting really because we cannot, we cannot back it off. The timing couldn't be better because God has placed something inside of it. Listen, so while you have a setback and your confidence in whether you heard from God and your confidence, the self-confidence you have gets hit whenever you have a setback, that's the devil's ploy. It's been the devil's ploy from the very beginning. His very first temptation of Eve was what? God says this in Genesis 1, God made man and woman in his image. The devil comes to Eve and tempts her and says, he simply says to Eve, he says, he says, if you eat this fruit, you will become like God. God already said a chapter before, you are made in my image. In other words, you're just like me. And the devil comes along and says, if you do this, you'll become like me. In other words, it was a subtle undermining of, of, of Eve's self-confidence of who she was and her genius. The devil's still doing the same thing. So don't let him, don't let the setbacks, don't let circumstances around you erode your self-confidence. you got to discipline it. And sometimes that's just disciplining the mind and saying, I was made on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. I was made on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. God, uh, God has designed me for now. I am a solution to a problem. There's a genius in me that is a solution to the problem that we're facing. There are some things that God is getting ready to do with what he's already placed in you. Let's not just wait for God to move and rescue us. We move. 
We've been set up for this. This is our time. Come on, amen? This is your time. I'm talking to you business owners. How are we going to, what, what's it going to, I don't know. How, how are we going to survive that? I don't know, I don't know. Listen, there's a genius inside of you that God's saying, I placed inside you. I placed creativity. I placed ideas. I, I, you got a direct connection to the creative one. Well, others can wallow in their self-pity and in the wallow in, in the, allowing the circumstance to dictate them. We're going to rise up. Amen. Here's today's takeaway. Sometimes a situation that creates desperation will give you a revelation of your own capabilities. Come on. I, I wrote eight weeks ago. I read that and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And if I feel a little bit, if I sound a little bit more passionate preaching this, that's because I'm preaching to me. I don't know if all the rest of you all listen, but I'm preaching to me because I was like, sometimes a situation <laughs> creates a desperation. Uh-huh. It'll give you a revelation, okay, of your own capabilities. That's right. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Made on purpose. For a purpose. For this time. And while the rest of the world looks to the government to be the hope, it's time for the church to stand up. It's time for you to stand up. It's time for, it's time for, for you business owners, your first responders. I know you're tired. I know you've done it. God bless you. It's uh, situations that you're being put in. I, I know, like, understand it, all the rest of it. But listen, sometimes there's situations that create so much desperation that it's going to give you a revelation. I'm praying that revelation right now is of your own capabilities. There's a genius in you you haven't met yet. Let's pray. God, I thank you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you that before you formed the world, you had us in mind for such a time as this. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to each one of us right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you would, we're looking to you to find, to find the answers and the solutions, and we lean on you as our hope and as our anchor. And God, I pray that you'd give us the creativity, the witty inventions, the ideas. Lord God, begin to flood even as we go back to work tomorrow and we face the week. Lord, I pray that there be a way. There'd be answers, Lord God, that would come, solutions that would come in Jesus' mighty name. Give us confidence now. Lord God, we rise up again in who we are called to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I wanted to run through a prayer with you right now that does just that. So uh, if you, you bow your heads, close your eyes, repeat after me here. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, my Savior, my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you right now. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you 
prayed that prayer for the first time, I would encourage you to click the link uh, that Anthony has just posted in the chat there. Fill that out. We'd love to send you a Bible. We'd love to congratulate you and celebrate with you on an amazing decision uh, today. So again, if you did that today, congratulations. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.